Thank you, Drew, and it is so good to be here today. Uh, are y'all excited about being here today? I mean, it sounded like it. It did sound like it. I heard it. And, uh, I, you know, we might as well go ahead and just toss this out there. Has anybody looked at what the title of the message is yet? Did you sign in and notice that? Talking about your gift today? So I'm not giving any gifts today. This is your gift today, and I don't give the gift that you're getting today. It is something that comes from way beyond me. And so we're talking about first things, and this is like part four of our series, and it's hard to believe this is the last week of January already. So we're like one-twelfth into this year already, which is, uh, it kind of blows my mind. But we're talking about first things. We're talking about the things that need to kind of get in order in our lives so that we can get moving in the way that God desires for us to get moving or get going or get connected with him or, or get worshiping or whatever the case may be. That is his heart. That is his desire. That is his passion for us. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a few of these things. One of those is uh, talking about praying for the church. Bigger than just in this room, bigger than just online with the Grove, bigger than just our second service, uh, bigger than just Limestone County or our community where we are here that includes Madison and part of Huntsville and, and part of Monrovia. Um, it, it's bigger than that. And God wants us as followers, as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who are born again, to be praying for the body of Christ. And what does he want us to be praying for? He wants to be praying for a couple things specifically. He wants all of us to truly grasp the love of God. In every way possible, he wants us to know and to experience his love. And then he tells us the second thing, that he wants everybody praying for everybody else to experience, and that is the power of God in their life. He wants you to know and experience that power. And then we shifted last week, and we went to what it means to be unified in the body of Christ what it means to be one in the body of Christ. And what he desires for us is that we would truly love one another so that those around us would recognize there is something different about those believers. There's something unique and special about them, <clears throat> and there's no way they're faking it because it's every single time I see them. Now, today we're going to take the prayer that we've been praying and add the unity that we're required to do and then we're going to break that down into the individual gifts that are supposed to be part of that unified body of Christ that makes it the perfect body of Christ. That's where we're going today and so I'm going to go ahead and tell you this up front because by the end of this message you're going to have only two choices. You're going to have a choice to say, yes, God, I will do what you have gifted and called me to do, or no, I refuse. And I'm just telling you, one has a reward and one has a punishment because we're called to use what God has gifted us to do and to use. All right, you ready to do it again? All right, I hope you don't feel like you've been beaten already. Just want you to be aware of the reality of what we're talking about today. So let's talk about our gift, uh, the gift individually that God has given us. If you know Jesus Christ, 
if he lives in your heart, in your soul, if he is, if you are the temple of, of the very Holy Spirit of God that contains Jesus, if you have been born again, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, his calling on you and his calling on me is to use your gift. So there's a couple of questions that immediately come to me because these came to me in my life early. And for you, some of you have been experiencing this for years and years and years. And for some of you, this is brand new to you. So the first question is this, um, but how do I know what my gift is? How do I discover, how do I find out what my gift is? And then the second one kind of deals with that yes or no thing. Because it says, am I required to use my gift? And what happens if I don't? And then there's a third question. So what is it? Am I required to use it? And then the last one, get ready for this. What if I mess up? What if I blow it? What if with all the best intentions, I completely mess up what God intended to do with my life? And I'm going to try to answer those three questions for you in just a few minutes. So please let these things sink in. Matter of fact, my prayer for this week, and, and it's an oldie but a goodie, has been open the eyes of my heart. And my prayer for you today is that God would open the eyes of your heart, that you would have spiritual understanding for what he desires for you when it comes to the gift that he has given you if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you know Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ. You are part of that unified body of Christ. It, it means that, that we not only represent Jesus, but by his power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, he works through us, which is his body. So this is his body, and this is his body. He works through his body to do the things he desires to be done on earth at this time. And you, as a follower of Christ, are part of that body. You with me? All right, let's see how much you are with me. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. I'm going to give you just a second to get there. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. And uh, if you are able, I would love for you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word as we read down uh, through a few verses here together. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ, literally by the grace of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led, crowd, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Notice that he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, <clears throat> verse 11, these gifts Christ gave to the church. These are the gifts that he, Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the body of Christ. This will continue 
until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It's got a purpose. You're part of it. It's bigger than us, and you cannot do it on your own. Father, help us grasp the truth of this word. Help us understand that the empowerment does not come from within us as human beings, but the power of Christ, and open our hearts that we might get it and do as you've called us to do and live. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated as we dig in deeper in this. All right, so let's go back to the very first part of that for just a second. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity or through the grace of Christ. Now, by his grace, it's not something you deserve. It's not something that I deserve. It's not something that, that, that I was born with. It was something that I was reborn with. It's not something you were born with. It's something that takes the rebirth of Christ in you in order to make this happen. And it comes by the grace of Christ. Now, uh, Jesus gave every believer a special gift. So if you are a believer, it says clearly in the scripture, he gave you a gift. And I think the better explanation of this even is that he gave you at least a gift. He may have gifted you in multiple ways. And then it says this, it says that he descended to the earth. And then he, he so he ascended to the, to the heavens then so that he could fill the entire universe with himself. It also says that he descended upon the earth. Well, what did he do? Because this is a confusing passage for a lot of people. But I think the most clear thing here for us is that he came down, we kept a manger on the side of the stage for like a month last month. He descended. He came to this earth to do what had to be done so that then he could ascend again to the Father and give us the gift so that he, so that he is very present in all of the world and all of the earth by the presence of his Holy Spirit through our lives and then displaying that through the gifts that he put in all of us. So when you are born again and, and, and baptized by the Holy Spirit that we talked about last week, and you now have Jesus in you and working through you, he works through the gift or the gifts that he puts in you. Some would say it is like you become the hands and feet of Christ. And in the body of Christ, you do. And you're a vital part of what he created in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So last week, we looked at unity in the body of Christ. Everything God does has a purpose. The building is together and using the individual parts to put the body together. He gives every believer a gift to fulfill what would make up the entire body of Christ. It paints the perfect picture of the church being perfectly diverse and still in perfect unity. So it's all these little parts put together to build this perfect body of Christ meant to work together in unity. It's every believer living out the role God created for them and then 
putting them in order, putting them together in order to reach God's goal of making every believer complete. So, God has given you a gift to help enable every other believer become all that he created them to be. So guess what happens when we don't all use our gifts? People are left incomplete. That means somebody else has to pick up and God has to use them to pick up where you refuse to. And you miss the blessing of being used by Almighty God. So, why do, why do so many believers not get there? Why do we live in a world that's still today that less than 20% of, of the body of Christ do all of the work of the body of Christ? How could that possibly be? Well, I think there's several reasons that we do that, several issues that cause that. Sometimes we just settle. We're happy with who we are. We're satisfied with our life. We don't want anything getting in the way. And so we just settle with where we are. We will thank God all day long for his saving grace. We will sing the songs. And sometimes we're like, we just sang like 15, 20 minutes. Man, I could sing another 30, 40 minutes right now. Let's keep singing. Well, I think there's a time for us to quit singing and start serving. There's a time for us to quit singing and start using the gift that God has given us. Yes, we worship. Yes, but every single day we should be doing that. Every single moment, that should be the heart that we have. But he saved us from something that we could never overcome by ourselves. Now, but is there more? Is there a reason that you say, I know Christ, but I still feel like I'm missing something? I'm still unfulfilled. Why can I know Christ and feel unfulfilled? Well, God saved us. He rescued us. He caused us to be born again. But there is more. He didn't just save us from something terrible, which he did. He saved us for something amazing. And it's to be used by him. So we've got his saving grace, but we've also got his enabling grace. He saved us for a purpose, not just from something, but to something. It's his work in us doing the incredible things that he created us to do. So we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that gifts us to do God's will. So he created in us this gift so that he could mature this gift in us so that we could use this gift in us so that his work could be done. Remember earlier where it says he covers the entire universe like this. Every human being is covered by this. Ephesians chapter 2. We're very familiar with verses 8 and 9 that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves so that we don't boast about it. It is the gift of God. But in verse 10, he says this, and we usually skip this when we don't ever get here. It says that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So, you are his masterpiece. You are exactly what he created you uh, to be. If he saved you already, then he's... He's in your life and he has gifted you. And the question is, what are you going to do with the gift that he 
has given you. These gifts are used by God to equip and to build up the body of Christ. A.W. Tozer said it like this. I love this quote. The desire to fulfill the purpose for which we were created is a gift from God. Just the burning inside us to use what he's already created in us and to gift us, it is a gift from God. Now, what happens when we start using this gift? Verse 11, we go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. And then he lists them. He says the the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Hmm. So it has to do with the, not the salvation, but the sanctification of the created being that God has put in all of us. So these gifts, he says, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And we could go off in the weeds this year for a long time, but I'm going to give you some real simple stuff because there's more to this than just these four or five that are listed right here. So what is an apostle? What's the gift to the church that is an apostle? Well, primarily it's a person who has been given a mission or a task by God and was or is a spokesperson for God. Now, in the beginning, and I think the most clear teaching of this is that an apostle was one who actually saw Christ with their own eyes. They touched him. They were taught by him to pass this down straight from from Jesus to the next generation. Well, that would have put all of them as gone by now, a gift that was given that may not still be. I think that's probably what happened there. But then he talks about a prophet. A prophet received messages from God and shared them with the people. Okay. Uh, We're still getting prophecies today, are we? I think that's a good question. I think clearly the prophecy has been fulfilled in him giving us all the books of the word. It is clear. It has to measure up. It has to be perfect with that. So the only way to do that is for it to be his spoken word. They are often considered those who had physically been with Jesus. That's the apostles and the prophet. They were also those who had physically been with Jesus. But now, sometimes one who is considered a prophet in modern day is one who clearly understands the word and then explains it and passes it on for those to hear for the next generation. So that could still very much be happening today. Then he says evangelist. These are gifted to spread the gospel and to plant churches. Now, do we still have evangelists today? 100%. Do we have any evangelists in the room today? 100%, because here's why. We're all called to do that. We're all called to the end of Matthew to go and take the gospel. We're Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, to take it into all the parts of the world. We're all called to take it. We're all called to teach. We're all called to baptize as disciples of Christ. But first, you must be evangelists. It means you tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's something that all of us are called to do. Here's another one, pastors and teachers. Well, they keep watch over the body of Christ. They're the shepherds. They take care of of, of sheep, the, the flock, 
the body of Christ. They comfort, they guide, they teach, they pass on the revelation of the word to the people. So that's four or five of the gifts that are given. But are there more? Well, there's at least three other places that clearly define gifts that God gives according to his grace in the scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 4, gives us a great list there. It's the Apostle Paul again, just like it is in the book of Ephesians. He says, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. So the same Spirit of God gives all these gifts. And he says there are different ministries, but the same Lord. We're just saying same God. It's the same God. There we go. And verse 6, and there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And here's where he goes and what they are, verse 8. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, to another, hang on, get my head going back in the right place. I apologize. Let me start back in verse 7. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person common to the common good. Verse 8. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by that same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. And to another, prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of the tongues, one and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each one as he wills. All present tent gifts, gifts of knowledge, gifts gifts of tongues, gifts of distinguishing spirits, All of these unique gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, still alive today. You know it because miracles are still happening even this day. Prophecy, helping people clearly understand what God has already given us, still today. Now, he goes on, Romans chapter uh, 12 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul gives a few more. And he says, according to the grace given to us, the grace, the gift that God has given to us, we have different gifts. If it's prophecy, use it according to the the proportion of one's faith. So God's given it to you, give it away. If it's service, use it in service. If it's teaching, in teaching. If it's exhorting, in exhortation. That means like, like you would teach from a pulpit or to help your friends understand. It's exhorting, it's teaching the truth. If giving, do it with generosity. If it's leading, It's with diligence. If it's showing mercy, it's with cheerfulness. Now, if you do the math real quick, you've got 24, 25 unique gifts that are given there in three different passages. There's one more that we'll talk about, and it's 1 Peter that we'll go to in just a minute that that helps us understand these gifts even a little bit deeper and how God has given them. So as God has gifted you, as God has gifted me, we are to use the gifts that he has given us. So, Three ways to make these things happen. Kind of practical application for how we make this work in our lives. How we let the Holy Spirit work. The first one is this. Recognize my gift. You got to know what your gift is. You've got to figure out what it is. And how in the world do we figure out what our gift is? 
Well, some of you have done this, and this is not a bad place to start, but there's a thing called a spiritual gifts inventory. Uh, you can find it at the, the North American Mission Board site. You can go to it, and you can look up spiritual gifts inventory. I encourage you to go there, check it out. It's, uh, it's like a personality test. It asks the same question 100 times in several different ways. It's like 90 or 100 questions that comes through there. And when you get through, it'll have like your top three that your, strength, your natural strengths show up as. That's fine. That's good. It's a good place to start. I encourage you to do that. Uh, secondly, uh, observation of other believers. So if you have strong believers in your life, maybe someone who's discipling you, maybe your parents have really poured into your life, maybe your grandparents are poured into you, maybe you've got a pastor that you really trust or a teacher that you really trust, ask them, where do you see God working naturally in my life? What gift do you see that, that is so clear that God is already working in my life? So you, 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 you get their input, you've got your test that you've taken, but the third one, the third way that you find it, I think, is the most critical. I think it is where the rubber meets the road on this, and it's ministry experience. Now, what do I mean by ministry experience? Because this is the part that's life-changing. Because it's one thing to take a test and realize, well, my gift is, is clearly mercy. Or, or my gift is clearly teaching. But what good does it do for us to read it on paper, hear it from a trusted friend, if we never use it? It's just something we've got in our back pocket. That, hey, if I ever, yeah, if I ever really need it, I'll do that. That's not what he says. So the way that you do it is it means you actually do it. You actually step in. You actually wade out into the uncomfortable waters, if you will. So this is the way you put it, maybe. You, you find an opportunity and you jump in. Uh, sometimes we say you see a need and you feel a need. Like now. But you essentially jump in. And you may hit it on the head the first time. And you may totally mess it up the first time. But our goal at the Grove is to put somebody alongside you so that if you do blow it, you can get back up again and go again because of the grace of God in you. You stepped out on faith to do what you thought he was leading you to do, and maybe he was, and you just messed it up. But the end goal for every believer is our highest calling, and that highest calling is the Great Commission of a holy God. In other words, to take the truth of the gospel to every human. And so as you jump in <clears throat> and as you fill these needs, serving the Lord, he will reveal specific giftings that he has given you as you dig in. And the goal is to use them. Now, I put a friend, on my, a friend of mine on the spot this morning because I want you to see how this can work. And it is uncomfortable. And one of the ways that this is uncomfortable is that I asked her to do this this morning. Rosanna, would you come join me for just a minute? She's already been on the stage today, and uh, she's had zero time to prepare for this. But uh, she and her family have been at the Grove for um, how long have y'all been at the Grove? 13 years. Thir thir 13 years. 13 years. Um, and so when you came here 13 years ago, do you know anything about using your gifts for the Lord? No. 
<laughs> okay. So you, uh, you did something crazy, and, and you went through our membership class yes. here at the Grove. And I challenged everybody to do one thing, right? Mm -hmm. So where did you first start using a gift that you knew or didn't know you had? Uh, I started at the greeting team. You started at the what? And the greeting team. You mean the ladies and gentlemen that have the signs out front that are shaking hands and saying, good morning, good to see you? Actually, I wish I had a sign back then. We <laughs> You couldn't hide behind yeah, it. Couldn't you hide couldn't behind. hide behind it then. But now you kind of can. Welcome. <laughs> glad to see you. So you started off there. And that's what you've done for the last 13 years, and that's all you've done, right? No. <laughs> so what happened next? It wasn't much longer into this ministry at the Grove that God started leading you to do something different. What was the second thing? Did you remember? Uh, after that, I went into the nursery and the preschool area. So you went back to take care of the ones that couldn't even talk to you. All right, and you were using your gift there because you knew something about raising children. I had a baby there, too. All right, and you had a baby there. All right, and then after that, you were called to something different. Yep, went into children's ministry with Miss Lottie. All right, some of the best ever here at the Grove. I love it. The incredible volunteers that started off back, goodness, 12, 13, 14 years ago. I love it. Um, all right, so you're still in children's ministry now, or are you doing something different? Nope. Um, after that, I went into youth ministry. Youth ministry? Uh -huh. Okay. All right, so I noticed something this morning that you were standing right there, and you were singing by Glenn, who was right there. Yes. I think it was about that time that you started mm -hmm. with the worship team. Yep. That was a few years into being here at the Grove. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. And so student ministry, and you're still doing some student ministry. I am. And you're still doing some worship ministry. Yeah. And like a few months ago, it seems like you and your husband started a new venture here at the Grove. We did. So what are you doing now? Uh, well, God called us to step into the position of leading the college and career group. So you're, y'all you're are the leaders of the bridge ministry now. We are. <laughs> Do you see how that kind of worked? I just want you to see what she did what they did through time they made themselves available and I'm just telling you if you're part of the grove you really could welcome people when they come through the doors and uh, I'm seeing people right here on the front rows that I've seen back in the preschool and the nursery and stuff and I see youth workers around this place and I think they can do it don't you not in their power, but in the power of Christ. Thank you, Miss Rosanna. Y'all give her a hand. Give her a hand. I love the way you let the Lord use you. One of the best examples I know right there, and that family has changed so much through the years, and, and um, wow, it's just cool. So what's the first thing? Recognize your gift. But the second one is a big one. Utilize your gift. So don't just recognize it, utilize your gift. What can the gift God gives me do in the life of others that he puts in my path? What can he do through me in that? Because God never intended for you or me to, to, to receive that grace gift of a gift from him. He didn't call us to take it and, and stick it in our pocket and say, I've got a gift from God, this is so awesome. And you just hang on to it. You see how messed up that is? 
but we've all done it. Matter of fact, it seems like there's an entire parable that deals with the gift or the talent, talents that God gives us. And what does he say if we don't? Oh, you're not going to use it? Okay, fine. I'll take it from here and I'll use it right there with somebody else. Guess what you miss if you give it up because you refuse to give it? You miss the blessing of being a servant of God Almighty. And you don't want to miss that. There's a joy that comes from that that you can't even begin to imagine until you've stepped out into the waters. So we are gifted to give to others for the glory of God, but we're not doing it in our power. We're doing it in his power. First Peter chapter four, a translation that I don't use very often. The, uh, <clears throat> the Amplified Bible says it like this, and it's because it takes a little bitty verse and it makes it into a great big one, but I love the way this explains. First Peter chapter four and verse 10, just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it or use it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's, excuse me, unmerited favor. It's given by him. It's, it's an ability that he gives that we're called to be good stewards of, good users of. To use it at the right time in the right place. So here's what using the gift of God, the gift that he has given you, can do in the lives of other believers. <laughs> it's the end of our passage this morning, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 and following. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. This is both sides. This is the giver and this is the receiver of this. We won't be tossed and blown about. By every wind of new teaching, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth, and instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And he makes the whole body, there it is, unified, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. Do you see you in that? Each part uses their own gift and it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So you go all the way back to the beginning of this passage and guess what's happened? By everyone using their gifts, people begin to get and grasp God's love. And by everybody using their gifts, Everybody not only sees the power of God working through each individual separate part, but they see it working together as the body of Christ. Then they see it working in their life as something they can do as well. I love the fact that we've got teenagers as young as, as 13 and 14 and 15, uh, college students, that we've got adults, that sometimes we even have children that are out there greeting and making people know that they are welcome here. And we want God to do something in their lives. It can start that easy. And it can go anywhere that the Spirit might lead on that individual to make something happen. So, recognize 
utilize, and then minimize. Minimize the mistakes. How do we minimize the mistakes so that we don't mess this thing up? What if I mess up? What if God has called me to something really amazing and I just, oh, I just, I mess up so bad. You ever afraid of that? I'm only afraid of it every day of my life. And especially Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. What if I mess up? An old book from the Old Testament. A prophet. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, So he answered me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by strength nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. Not by might, not by my physical strength, but by my spirit. So how do you not mess up? Well, you have to do it by the Spirit of God and not by your own power. And, and this is crucial when we serve others and we serve others in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in our own strength. The latter part of that, our own strength, it will 100% fail. The former, doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it leads to a kingdom win that happens through you by the power of the Spirit. And our calling... Our job is to do what God has already called us to do, to use the gift he has given us. We didn't create it. We didn't come up with it. We weren't physically born with it. And we certainly don't empower it. It only comes by Christ. It comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we listen and we do, and we leave the results to Holy God. And it is the only way to do this. And I promise you that there will be days that you feel like you have blown it. But by the grace of God, go back to your knees again and say, God, I don't want to do it like that. I have to do it by your power. And even when your heart was in the right place to do the right thing, even when you completely felt like it was spirit-led, but yet your tongue got tied or your actions got messed up and you responded in a wrong way to it, but for the grace of God, the same grace that gave you the gift is the one that can pick you up and carry you on to do it again. But do you remember how big God's love is? Do you grasp the enormity of his love? Do you realize the vastness of his grace? And if you do, take the gift or the gifts that God has given you. And then use them to touch and to impact the lives of the people that God puts in your path. That is the calling for God on my life. That is the calling for God on your life to use the gift he has given you. I want you to stand with me please across this room. Go bow your heads with me. Recognize, utilize, and then minimize. Minimize the mess ups as you live for Him. If you have Jesus, you have a responsibility 
to use the gift that he has put in you. But if you don't have Jesus, you should start by receiving his free gift of grace right now. He loves you. He gave up the perfection of heaven to put on human skin, born and placed in a manger. He lived on earth, experiencing all of our troubles and our discomforts, and then he died on a cross to take our sin. But it didn't end there. On the third day, God raised him from the dead. Jesus calls us to repent. Jesus calls us to believe. To trust him by grace through faith in the Son of God. If you have not, come take Drew by the hand. Come take me by the hand. Go find that other believer that you know and, and put your arms around them and say, it's time for me to surrender to Christ like that in this moment. And make it public. Let people know what Christ has done in your life. Some of you need to get baptized. You've trusted him and You've never followed him in believer's baptism. He's in your heart, you know it. And you've been struggling with this for a long, long time, and it's time to do that. But if those two things are in order, and you're just not using the gift that he's given you, maybe it's time to take it to the altar and say, Lord, I don't even understand exactly what you want me to do, but I saw the boldness of Rosanna, and wow, you've used her. And I know you want to use me. Give me the boldness to do what you've called me to do right now. Just put yourself at his altar before him. Lord Jesus, we can't do this on our own. We need you. Make it so clear. Give us that boldness. Help us to trust you enough and not keep this in our back pocket. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, make yourself to this altar. Make it right with Him in this moment, this day. In the holy name of Christ. You come.